Hi, I'm Mark van Wezemaal. I'm the CEO of Euritz. Uh, welcome to IP Fridays. Hello and welcome to this episode of IP Fridays. Our names are Ken Suzanne and Rolf Clayson, and this is the podcast dedicated to intellectual property. It does not matter where you are from, in-house or private practice, novice or expert. We will help you stay up to date with current topics in the fields of trademarks, patents, design and copyright, discover useful tools, and much more. Welcome to episode 54 of IP Fridays. Today's interview guest is Mark van Wesemal, CEO of Eurit, and we are talking about very cool ways uh, how Eurit is improving the situation of trademark holders and the overall security of the domain system. Then I just want to mention that Obama just signed the Trade Secrets Bill. Uh, we will have an in-depth interview in the very near future on this podcast, uh, just to let you know that there is something upcoming. And of course, I want to do some more advertising for our IP Fridays meetup. So if you are a loyal listener or a fan of IP Fridays, you can meet us and the interview guests on the show and other listeners uh, during the IP Fridays meetup in Orlando. Um, you can head over to uh, ipfridays.com slash meetup, ipfridays.com slash meetup to sign up for the gathering and uh, talk with us and the other fellow listeners. Before we jump into the interview, I want to talk about a recent decision of the Boards of Appeal of the European Patent Office. Um, the number is T1673-111-2022-0001. In this decision, the board held that a Swiss claim um, language that is no longer allowed at the European Patent Office cannot be converted in a, a purpose-limited product claim. So European Patent 1137762 of Genzyme was granted with a claim 1 that reads the use of human acid alpha-glucosidase in the manufacture of a medicament for the treatment of infantile pompous disease, wherein the human acid alpha-glucosidase is in the 100 to 110 kilodalton form, wherein the medicament is to be administered intravenously and wherein the treatment is to be continued for at least, two, uh, at least four weeks. So this is a classic example of a Swiss claim language uh, claim. As you might know, uh, the Swiss type language is no longer allowed at the European Patent Office. So the um, applicant, uh, the, the patent holder tried to uh, amend the claim to read uh, as follows. Human acid alpha-glucosidase in the 100 to 110 kilodalton form for use in the treatment of infantile pompous disease wherein the human acid alpha-glucosidase is to be administered intravenously and wherein the treatment is to be continued for at least four weeks. So this is um, a purpose-limited product claim. The board held that this claim confers protection on the human acid alpha-glucosidase whenever it is being used for the treatment of infantile pompous disease. And since the claim does not refer to a step of manufacture of a medicament, the product claim 
uh, is not limited to the manufactured medicament and uh, packaged and or with instructions for use in the treatment of infantile pompous disease. So it would go um, basically beyond the scope of the original claim one. The board also observed that according to the findings of the decision G2 of 08, um, wherein the subject matter of a claim is rendered novel only by a new therapeutic use of a medicament, uh, such a claim may long, no longer have the format of a so-called Swiss-type claim, as instituted by decision G5 of uh, 83, if the patent application has a date of filing or priority has been claimed a priority date after 28th of January 2011. So, um, this is basically the decision that um, said that Swiss type language is no longer allowed. So this is bad news for the pharmaceutical industry. Swiss type claims cannot be saved by converting them to a um, purpose limited product claim or at least not very easily. You can find the full decision on the EPO website, www.epo.org, and then you can go to case law and type in T1673-11. Now we jump into the interview with Mark von Wesemal, the CEO of URIT. Uh, please uh, forgive me that this was recorded during a conference and we have some background noise. I tried to limit that as much as I could, but uh, it was not always successful. So let's hear it from Mark van Wesemal. I'm very excited to be joined by Mark van Wesemal today. He is CEO of URIT, uh, the operator of the .eu domain, and we are talking about domains and trademarks. So thank you for being on the show. You're welcome. So um, you have recently introduced some measures to increase security of domains. Um, can you talk about these measures? Indeed, so we think as URIT uh, that the domain name space needs a lot more trusts and we have started working a lot on that and we have made three big actions. Uh, one is a corrective action, which means that every day people are looking at the, at the registrations. We use algorithms to, uh, to that and we rank domain names in a sort of um, high suspicion ranking to low suspicion ranking and then they look at them uh, visually uh, and, and and try to find out if a domain name uh, has uh, the wrong data because it's very important that the, we know the person behind the domain name. So the first step is to find out those or to weed out those that are uh, have wrong data. Uh, we use quite uh, interesting algorithms, but the purpose is that we make them all, always better. Uh, today we are using address checking, consistency checking. If a domain name is um, is in, in, in Belgium, but it has a telephone number in, in, in somewhere else, so that is inconsistent. These are the things we are using today uh, to weed out the, the bad guys, I would say. The next step is that we want to give tools to the end user, the user of the .eu domain name, to find uh, himself. Uh, new or uh, abuses. Uh, one tool for that, if you go to the Whois today, uh, the .eu Whois, and you type your domain name, uh, under the condition that you have a .eu domain name, of course, uh, then you can find all the domain names that look like yours. And often this is a, a, a sign of abuse. If somebody uses a domain name like in Coca-Cola, for instance, they're using a zero instead of an O, that's probably because they want to to piggyback on the on the on the, the fame of, of Coca-Cola to do whatever they want to do. 
So this is another tool uh, we having, and um, we are also improving there. We were trying to put uh, to, to put more intelligence in the algorithm so that the the list of lookalikes uh, improves uh, on a well on a monthly basis. I would say. Third step we want to make, and we can uh, discuss that further, is the um, preventive actions. We try to uh, to decide at the moment of registration whether the domain name will be used in the future for abusive actions. We use historical information for that. We're working with the university on this. Uh, it's a self-learning system. So we feed back uh, abusive domain names that were found abusive to, uh, in spam lists or, or, or malware or whatever. And then we feed that back into the system and it becomes better and better all, over, all, all the time. So in the end, the purpose is that at the moment of registrations, we can decide that the domain name will be used in abusive situation and it won't get into the zone file, so it won't do any harm ever. So will the trademark owners get an alert if they uh, if you find out that a domain name might be abused in the future? The purpose would be that it doesn't get registered at all or it of if or if registered it would be deleted immediately. So that is the purpose so that the trademark owners wouldn't have to care about it. So the other thing we are doing is uh, working with OHIM, the Office of uh, Harmonization of the Internal Market. Uh, because they, uh, we will, at the moment of registration, when it is exactly the same as a trademark, we will inform them and they will inform the trademark owner. So at the time of registration, these, the trademark owners will know that their domain name has been registered or their name has been registered as a .eu domain name. Uh, so then, then they can take action. We also think about uh, informing the registrant so that he knows that he might infringe on the rights of a third party. He might not know it, of course, because there are so many trademarks and if he doesn't do his, his job correctly, normally you would say that they should uh, work their, or do their work up, up front and, and see if there is no domain name or, or trademark that they are going to, to register as a domain name. But uh, many don't do that. They don't are not even aware of trademarks. So. For those people, we inform them that the domain name that they just registered is identical to an existing trademark. And maybe then they can decide not to register it, or they may decide that uh, it's okay because they have a trademark as well in another category. So in that case, um, that it wouldn't be a problem. But that's indeed also something that we, we are working on uh, together with OHIM. Mm -hmm. Um, so, in the beginning you mentioned that there is a whois function and um, if I look at the whois function, the maybe like five hits are given, like of similar domains. Um, is there a possibility for trademark owners to get like all similar domains? Indeed, we, in the whois, which is open for the public, you can see the top five uh, that look like yours. But if you are the owner of the domain name, you can hit a button and then it, the, the rest of the list will be sent to you by email. And to you means uh, the name we or the email address we have in the database for that domain name. If you put, if the, the, the email address in that uh, database is wrong, then of course it will be sent to the wrong person. So you mentioned that if, if uh, people want to register or companies want to register a new domain name and uh, you find out that that domain name might be used for abuse of a trademark in the future, then your goal would be that it would not be registered at all. Um, I think it would be very interesting for the trademark owners to get the information who that person or entity was that tried to register the domain to prevent abuse of that entity in the future. Is that possible? 
Well, first of all, we know who it is, and we will use that information to prevent uh, other in registrations from that person in the future, probably, or at least it will it will flag that person as a potential uh, danger, and in the future that will add to the the thresholds uh, that we use uh, to to stop a domain name from being registered or being used, at least. Um, giving that information to the to the trademark owners, um, we won't do because there is there are also the trademark sorry the the privacy laws. Privacy legislation becomes uh, very strict on, on a lot of things and it will be even difficult for us uh, to have uh, to, 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 to comply with, with those laws because we have to, to, to inform everybody about the information we keep on file from them and if they ask they have, we will have to delete it. So even if we have interesting information about people uh, that could help us in, in, in this preventive action but if this, these people ask us to delete that information, and if they are, if it's it's relevant uh, that their question, then we have to delete it. So this is uh, becoming a, a quite uh, interesting uh, area, which we have two people on uh, in our office. Uh, they they follow the legislation, they follow whatever is possible, whatever is not possible, and to to play the game uh, within whatever what what the law allows us to do. So this is a, a quite interesting domain that is evolving very rapidly these days. You also mentioned that you work together with OHIM uh, on several different topics. Um, OHIM happens to have a really nice tool for searching for trademarks, even similar trademarks, called TMView. Um, you can tick a checkbox, say fuzzy search, and then it searches also for similar trademarks. Um, do you work with them to give um, potential um, uh, people who want to register a domain the chance to find out whether there are conflicting trademarks? Um, relevant to their domain? Not yet, and I say not yet, because uh, we just started our cooperation with OHIM. Uh, we, it, it, it took us quite a while before we found a, a common ground uh, to work uh, around. Uh, but now uh, we, we have started and uh, we have uh, had a, a few meetings and they will also do things for .eu. So whenever you register a trademark, they will put a banner on their website uh, to say have, uh, maybe other things to consider would be to register your .eu for this trademark. So that's one thing they will do for us and uh, what we will do for the moment is inform them when a .eu is registered that is identical to a trademark. We might go further in the future, but this is a first test. If this works fine, we will explore further uh, co collaboration. I think that would be very great for trademark owners and domain applicants and not so good for people like myself, <laughs> the attorneys, they will have less work. But I think it will be very helpful for the whole community overall for the situation to be able to inform domain people who want to register domains about trademarks because that's a conflict that I see over and over again, that people register domains and they run into trouble because of earlier trademarks. Well, maybe the the conflicts will be now clearer and, and, and uh, earlier in the, in the process, so I don't think you will have less work. <laughs> <laughs> so are there uh, ideas to involve the community um, in developing your services further? Indeed, so we started now this uh, WIS function where you see similarities uh, on the domain name uh, on our own. Uh, we work with OHIM, 
uh, that was an initiative we took um, to, and, and that Ohim took up and, and then we, we started brainstorming to, together. But it would be nice also if we could involve the community of the trademark owners. We have reached out to uh, uh, Marks. We have ECTA in our uh, board of directors. So we already have this information, but it would be nice that we have more uh, ongoing dialogue about uh, whatever can we do that would help that community to to fight abuses or to, to do whatever they would like us to do. One of the things which is not really fighting abuses is, for instance, if you look in the WHOIS and you type your domain name, you can see how many times your domain name has been queried on the, and, and from which countries. So I don't know what it's, well, it, it can be very useful to know if you want to, to sell your domain name or if you want to value your domain name. It could give an indication uh, that this domain name is, is very much queried. So these kind of things, uh, if you need uh, other, if, if you would have other ideas that we could add to our services, uh, we would be glad to hear them. So if people wanted to get in touch with you, either for new ideas or any questions about URIT, uh, how would they do that? They would, uh, there are many, many ways they could uh, send us an email directly. They could uh, uh, ask Marks because we are a member of Marks. They could uh, go to ECTA because we have a member of the board in ECTA and ask them through that channel, which is the most direct channel, of course, because in the board we can discuss these, these topics. So there are plenty of, of ways you can uh, get in contact with us, uh, but uh, there are also very, uh, I'm open to any email if they would like to send me an email. I'm very glad to respond and to, and to work on it. So what would be the best email to get in touch with you? The best email, there are two that uh, are always uh, looked upon uh, on, a, on a daily basis and, and, and on a constant basis, which is info, dot, uh, info at yuri.eu or uh, legal at yuri.eu because most of these questions that you would be referring to would be legal questions, I suppose, or trademark related questions. And I think the best place to send them to is uh, legal at yuri.eu. That was a very interesting interview. Thank you very much for your time. And uh, thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you very well. It was my pleasure. That's it for this episode. If you liked what you heard, please show us your love by visiting ipfridays.com love and tweet a link to this show. We would be so grateful if you would do that. It would help us out to get the word out. Also, please subscribe to our podcast at ipfridays.com or on iTunes or Stitcher.com. If you have a question or want to be featured in one of the upcoming episodes, please send us your feedback at ipfridays.com feedback. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. You can go to ipfridays.com iTunes and it will take you right to the correct page on iTunes. If you want to get mentioned on this podcast or even have comments within the next episode, please leave us your voicemail at ipfridays.com slash voicemail. You have been listening to an episode of IP Fridays. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of nor are they endorsed by their respective law firms. None of the content should be considered legal advice. The IP Fridays podcast should not be construed as legal advice or legal opinion on any specific facts or circumstances. The contents of this podcast are intended for general informational purposes only, and you are urged to consult your own lawyer on any specific legal questions. As always, consult a lawyer or patent or trademark attorney. Copyright 2014. All rights reserved.